Hello, this is Zandi Hicks. This podcast is called Bold, Brave, and Daring because, well, that's already inside of you. You can choose to be bold, brave, and daring every day of your life. And this podcast teaches you how to walk through life with God, Him showing you how to become bold, brave, and daring. This podcast is like letters from God Himself. So stay tuned because I know that He wants to speak right to you. Hey guys, so today is letter 24 of the Screw Tape Letters. And continuing the series, I'm very excited about this letter today. And this letter is about the patient's lover. Now, they call her young woman in this letter. I don't know why C.S. Lewis didn't give the humans names, but I'm sure he had a reason for it. It just makes it harder for you guys to follow along, but that's okay. So it says in the first line, I have been in correspondence with Slum Trippet, who is in charge of your patient's young woman. And begin to see the chink in her armor. So her demon is called Slum Trimpet. It is an obtrusive little vice which she shares with nearly all women who have grown up in an intelligent circle united by a clearly defined belief. And it consists in a quite untroubled assumption that the outsiders who do not share this belief are really stupid and ridiculous. So it's saying that the young woman believes people who do not share her beliefs are stupid and ridiculous. But it's so subtle, so subconscious that she doesn't even realize that she does this. And then it goes on to say, the males who habitually meet these outsiders do not feel that way. Their confidence, if they are confident, is of a different kind. Hers, which she supposes to be due to faith, is in reality largely due to the mere color she has taken from her surroundings. It is not, in fact, very different from the conviction that she would feel at the age of 10 that the kind of fish knives used in her father's house were the proper or normal or quote-unquote, real kind, while those of the neighboring families were not real fish knives at all. Okay, so what's this fish knives thing? So it's saying in the first part, men don't do this. Their confidence and ego are fed by other things, you know, that we've discussed in other chapters. They don't look down on people because they believe differently. It also says that it's the same as when she looks down on people who believe differently from her because in her mind, she's defending her faith, but it's actually the same as when she was a little girl and she looked down on others because they had less nice stuff than her. That's what the fish knives thing means. It's like, oh, well, we had the better kind. We had the good kind and they didn't have as nice of a kind. So that is what they call spiritual pride. And I've dealt with this and do deal with this still. And I'm sure people all who are listening deal with this as well. If someone doesn't believe the same as me, it's really hard not to think that I'm right and they're wrong. And that's what's happened even in the last two years, especially with the election. Everyone was trying to defend their beliefs and they know their side is right. And then they look down on the other side. What we don't see are the actual human beings that we're arguing with and thinking they're wrong in your head. But God made them too. They're no less valuable than me, and they're no less valuable than you. It's such a trap to think, because they don't believe the same as me, that they're less than me. And it is very subconscious. You don't consciously say that to yourself, but you're thinking, how can they believe that? How can they believe that's the right thing to do? And then you think that you have the high road and you're on the high horse because 
You think your belief is right, just like they think their belief is right. It goes on to say in the letter, Can you get him to imitate this defect in his mistress and to exaggerate it until what was venial in her becomes in him the strongest and most beautiful of vices, spiritual pride? So venial means excusable or allowable. So can you get him to have this same defect that the young woman has? And then to exaggerate what's excusable and allowable in her. And that will lead to him having spiritual pride. Now it goes into what spiritual pride looks like. It says, The conditions seem ideally favorable. The new circle in which he finds himself is one of which he is tempted to be proud for many reasons other than its Christianity. It is better educated, more intelligent, more agreeable society than any he has yet encountered. He is also under some degree of illusion as to his own place in it. Under the influence of love, he may still think himself unworthy of the girl, but he is rapidly seasoned to think himself unworthy of the others. So what it's saying there is the patient is starting to think of himself as better than others because he's a Christian, and he's fitting into this Christian circle of friends that the young woman has had. And he's finally found his people, quote-unquote, which we could definitely have all had this in church, where it's like, if you haven't found that yet, but most of us... I feel like have had that at some point in our life, if you've gone to church for a long time of like, I've found my circle and my group of people. It says on page 131, still less does he suspect how much of the delight he takes in these people is due to the erotic enhancement, which the girl for him spreads all over her surroundings. He thinks that he likes their talk and the way of life because of some congruity between their spiritual state and his, when in fact, they are so far beyond him that if he were not in love, he would merely be puzzled and repelled by much of which he now accepts. He is like a dog which should imagine it understood firearms because its hunting instinct and love for its master enabled it to enjoy a day's shooting. So he's fitting in with this new circle well because of the young woman he's with. He thinks he fits in because he's on the same level as them spiritually, but he's not even close. He hasn't been a believer that long. It's just his infatuation with her that blinds him to this. So the next part goes along with that. It's saying, get him to think he's found a new level of people to hang out with. And then when he hangs out with non-believers, make him believe that they're dull and less entertaining than the circle of believers. When the difference is actually just that the young woman isn't there with the non-believers. That's what's missing, is her presence and her giving off the, as they called it, erotic enhancement spread all over her surroundings. It says, you must teach him to mistake this contrast between the circles that delights and the circles that bore him for the contrast between Christians and unbelievers. He must be made to feel how different we Christians are. And by we Christians, he must really but unknowingly mean my set. And by my set, he must not mean the people who in their charity and humility have accepted me but the people with whom I associate by right. So he's starting to fall into this spiritual pride where my people are right, and these are the people that I fit in with. And we're so different as Christians, which we should be different from the world, but we shouldn't look down on non-believers. That's the difference. I'm going to read the last paragraph to you. It says, success here depends on confusing him. If you try to make him explicitly and professedly Proud of being a Christian, you will probably fail. The enemy's warnings are too well known. If, on the other hand, you let the idea of we Christians drop altogether and merely make him complacent, 
about his set or his circle, you will produce not true spiritual pride, but mere social vanity, which by in comparison is a trumpery, puny little sin. What you want is to keep him a sly self-congratulation mixed with all his thoughts and never allow him to raise the question, what precisely am I congratulating myself about? The idea of belonging to an inner ring of being in a secret is very sweet to him. Play on that nerve. Teach him, using the influence of this girl when she is silliest, to adopt an air of amusement at the things the unbelievers say. Some theories which he may meet in modern Christian circles may here prove helpful. It is no affair of yours whether those theories are true or not. The great thing is to make Christianity a mystery religion in which he feels himself one of the initiates. So we cannot believe the lie that Christianity is an exclusive club, that somehow we're better than non-believers. We didn't do anything to deserve to be a Christian. Jesus did. He's the one that made a way for everyone to be able to be a Christian. If we didn't do anything except accept the gift, a free gift, then unbelievers and us are the, on the same level. They just haven't accepted the free gift yet. In that last paragraph, it also said that the enemy, which is God, will warn us when we're being prideful. Listen for that prompting. We're supposed to show love to everyone the same. And I'm talking to myself here today, too. When someone is a non-believer and they're sharing stuff with me, I can't be thinking in my head, you know, like, well, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and just start Xing out the things that they're saying because I don't believe the same. Their words have no less value than mine do. They're the same. God sees us all the same and loves us all. So we can't look down on others. We're just supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the only way that we're going to speak to non-believers is by showing them by the way that we live that we do love them and we do think highly of them because Jesus thinks highly of them. And then they'll start to see that and then they'll want to know who is this God that you talk of? Who is this Jesus that you know in your heart? And I don't have that. And then we'll have an opportunity to just show them the kingdom of God. And maybe they'll want to join as well. But they're not going to want to join if they think that they're less than because they don't believe the same thing as us. So yeah, that is letter 24. It's really good. And yeah, I will talk to you guys about letter 25 tomorrow. I am excited about that one too. I hope that you have a good day and that you're enjoying this series because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Bold, Brave, and Daring is all about making you bold, brave, and daring. Like I say, because it's already inside of you and God wants to show that to you. So if you have any questions, Please DM me, message me. I would love to hear your questions or about what God has done in your life. So let me know, comments, and I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful week.